Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kicks and Picks podcast. This is episode number 100 and Nick isn't here. Scotty, yeah. I mean, we get to 100 episodes and, and, and Nick's not here. It's it's unbelievable that the man is just always traveling. He he tries to make time when he can, but on a, an occasion such as this to to miss our centennial podcast, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, he's in, in Chicago for work, probably too busy eating deep dish pizza or something, but we're coming back from an... The international break, I mean, it couldn't have come at a worse time for us. I mean, we were eight and two before the break. I forget, plus six units or so on we the weekend last time units. out. Yeah, I was. I think I was up four units on my two and one just because I had two big hits. But certainly scorching hot, doing a lot better. I, I'm coming around, so hopefully we can kind of continue that trend on, on my side. And then, I mean, you've been on fire this whole season. Yeah, feeling good. I, another three and zero weekend for me. Not not to brag, but I've had two three and zero weekends. I think uh, only three losses out of twelve on the season so far through four match weeks. So I'll take it. Uh, feeling pretty good. I, it kind of feels like you know when when your club is doing really good and that international break hits three four weeks into the season, you're like, oh, this is like the worst time. I mean, for me as a Rom- Romanista, this is, was the perfect time for an international break because I get tired of watching them play terrible for three weeks. But uh, that's kind of how it felt from a betting perspective for us as as a podcast. So. Uh, all joking aside about Nick not being here, this is episode 100. We're feeling really good. We're going to bring you some more winners. We have a great um, preview of the Derby della Madonnina, which is the big match in Italy, one of the biggest matches in Europe this weekend. We have Martino and Alex, who will come on uh, in just a little bit once we finish our picks. It's a big episode for a big match, and hopefully lots more winners here to open the episode. So, Scotty, just quickly before we get into our winners on the weekend, let's jump to the Premier League Quick little preview there. I mean, the big matches that jump out at me, Man U hosting Brighton is is the big one. West Ham hosting City also has some some relevance considering West Ham's been off to a good start. What do you make of those two matches quickly? And then anything else that you see that could be impactful? Maybe, you know, Chelsea, can they get out of their struggles against Bournemouth? Things like that. Yeah, well, let's start West Ham, Man City. Um, West Ham, I've had in my my power rankings top six uh, for the last couple of weeks now. They've been really impressive with some wins over Chelsea and um, Brighton. A pair of 3-1 wins, I believe, over over each of them. Um, they did have a, a struggle to pull out a, a 2-1 win against Luton Town. Um, so that wasn't maybe their best match, but they still got three points there. Uh, and so this is a really big test for them. I mean, they've, they've shown that they can do it against Brighton and Chelsea, who are... I would say mid to upper tables teams, but they're certainly not Titans at the moment. Um, but City are a different beast. So at home, it's a you know a, a great game for the Hammers to kind of make a statement here, um, kind of prove that hey, we're going to be in in the discussions for for Europe again this season. Unlike last season, where they were in discussions for relegation for most of the calendar. Uh, on the flip side for City, you know they're coming off of a five-one beatdown on Fulham. I think it was Holland's first hat trick of the season. Kind of answering some questions in terms of, you know, can he, can he score at the same level he did last year without De Bruyne feeding him? Um, and, and I think it's, it's a great opportunity for, for Pep squad to kind of continue that momentum and, and really prove that they are the, the premier league juggernauts that they're going to be this season. Um, elsewhere, you mentioned Man United Brighton, uh, an interesting one. I mean, it's, it's almost like two different club dichotomies coming into this match. United had no shortage of, of off the field drama during the entire international break between Jaden Sancho, you know, be claiming he's a scapegoat and, and kind of calling out the manager got some more serious issues with, with, uh, Anthony and, and whether or not he's, it sounds like he, he wasn't available for Brazil. It sounds like he's not gonna be available for United in this one. Um, 
probably the right call, at least in the interim while all the facts come out. But it, it does leave United a little bit shorthanded up top. It's going to be, you know, a lot is going to be resting on Rashford's shoulders and, and Bruno Fernandez. Um, Brighton, meanwhile, just continue to churn. Uh, we've talked about them a lot about how they lose some of these, you know, huge, uh, some of these midfielders to huge fees to, to other clubs, but they just keep on churning. Um, Evan Ferguson with a hat trick, um, leading them into the, the, the international break against Newcastle. Um, certainly a lot of, uh, eyes now are going to be on him seeing how he performs as maybe their one of their next up. And then Matoma is, a, you know, a, a continues to have, you know, a brilliant game after brilliant game. Um, so I, I think, you know, United at home could be a big statement for them. If they can come out, win this game, you know, we talk a lot about how winning cures all ills. And I think that would be the, the perfect example of, of that happening here. If they can get all three points, um, elsewhere, I'm going to talk about my, my, my club Liverpool. Uh, I don't have them in my locks or I don't have a fading of them in my locks this week. However, I will say this one stat. Last season, they had six games in the early kickoff time slot. It's 7.30 a.m. Eastern, whatever that translates. I think it's like noon or, or 1 p.m. In, in, in England. They were uh, 0-3-3 in those six games. They did not win a single one. Um, they struggled. I think five of them were away. They're away here against Wolves. Not putting them as a lock, but I am saying it is a historical challenge for Klopp's teams, especially coming off international break where a lot of these players are going to be flying in from South America or elsewhere in Europe right now, wolves draw no bet is plus four twenty five. not saying you should take it. I'm not saying it's a lock just historically with how Liverpool has struggled in this time slot, especially traveling, especially with all these players coming off of international break, coming from all their different countries. It's worth a consideration at this point. So I think those are probably the big three that, that I'm really looking at. I don't know, coach, do you have anything else that, that stands out to you? Maybe Everton arsenal. No, I mean, the one that jumped out at me right away was Brighton United. Um, Brighton showed that that West Ham surprise loss didn't affect them too much because they bounced back really quickly against a, a Newcastle side that's, you know, coming off a really good season, um, off to a little bit of a rough start, but a good season. And then you have, like you said, you know, he's got all these off-the-field distractions with Anthony, and and you, you're kind of coming off that loss against Arsenal and, you know, more negativity around Harry Maguire after he scored an own goal against Scotland. So, you know, there, there's that always swirling around too. Yeah. Maybe put him at left wing. Maybe that's the answer, <laughs> right? Get him on the front line. Yeah. And, um, you know, Brighton, I think is going to come ready. And if Brighton wins, you know, they're, they're right in the mix for a champions league, like, like we, you know, Europa, that kind of positioning like we expected, but United down there in the bottom half at six points and already at minus two, if they lose this one by a couple goals, it, it could be very interesting um, and see if, you know, they're going to stay stable enough to weather the storm of the Anthony drama, the Jaden Sancho drama, maybe starting with two wins and three losses because they've already lost to, to Spurs and Arsenal. So kind of like against the big six, they haven't been good so far. This this is a big one for them. Um, Arsenal, you mentioned, I mean, you expect them to go out and take care of business. It's at the Emirates. No, this is at, it's yeah, not it's at the Goodison. Emirates. I'm sorry. It's an interesting one, right? Like Everton have one point and that was off of a, a draw mm. where they barely haven't scored a goal yet, against right? Sheffield. No, they scored two against Sheffield last week. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's so they, right. they, they scored first, then they conceded two consecutive goals, looked like they were going to lose, managed to get an equalizer, got their first point of the season, but their schedule after this week, it gets a little easier. I think they got three weeks where they have three teams that are probably going to be the bottom third of the t- table. But after that, it, it, it takes off. It becomes really difficult. So for me, how they come out and perform against Arsenal, whether or not they get a win or even a draw here, 
if they fold over at home against this Arsenal team that really hasn't hit their you know full stride yet, I think that's going to be a really tough thing to kind of take as momentum into three games where they really need to get probably five or six points minimum to kind of keep spirits up as they get through a very difficult part of their schedule. Yeah, I think so. And then, and then just the last thing to touch on, I think Newcastle is a big one at home against Brentford. Brentford, we know, is a tough nut to crack. They've been really good yeah. under Thomas Frank. Uh, Newcastle is in, in, in really, really need win about need of a win. Yeah, yeah. Mo- almost more than anybody. I think they're in like 14th place right now. They have Three had, points. again, hands down, the hardest schedule of any club in the Premier yes. League. It's not even close. Um, so there is that caveat. But, you know, there's a little bit of doubts. And, and obviously their their hopes are to get at least top four again. There were murmurs of them maybe even competing you know, for the title, at least being in the conversation. Currently, that's a big uphill climb now. You know, they're not going to be in the conversation probably until, you know, the, the holiday break at this point, even if even if uh, they play perfectly, because we know City are very rarely going to drop points. Um, Liverpool look to be, you know, back in form with their midfield issues somewhat resolved now. Um, and whether or not their defensive line can get healthy, that could be enough to kind of keep them in that conversation. So Newcastle already have this huge gap to that, that those top clubs, albeit four matches into the season. If they really want to be in part of that conversation, they're going to have to be near perfect between now and Christmas. Yeah, and and like we mentioned in our Champions League future episode, their group is tough. I mean, Milan looms Tuesday, just a few days after this Brentford match. Things could kind of spiral for them a little bit and put them in a precarious position. So speaking of Milan, Serie A has some big ones. We Like we mentioned, we're going to cover the Milan intermatch in depth, so we won't talk about it now, but that is the big one on the, the calendar. Uh, Earlier on Saturday, the early match, the first one of the weekend, is Juve hosting Lazio. That's a big one, too. Lazio looked terrible their first two matches, dropping six points against teams that are not expected to really be very competitive in Serie A this year, but then went out and beat Napoli pretty handily right before the international break. So Jekyll and Hyde from Lazio there. Um, Sadi's team does tend to step up in these big matches from what we've seen, uh, even in his time at Lazio when they weren't a Champions League caliber club. Juve has the Pogba stuff going on with the doping. He's just, he's, you know, suspended without pay at this point, from what I understand, or, or at least suspended. And, um, you know, Juve has been pretty decent so far and we'll see how much that's going to affect them. They've got seven points in three matches. It's at, it's at the, uh, it's at the Allianz. So they're the home team. So you would expect them to win, but you know, I think uh, Lazio coming off that match with some momentum could uh, give them some trouble. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, Fiorentina hosting Atalanta. Those two clubs are expected to compete for European places. Um, mixed results so far for both. I mean, Fiorentina is coming off an utter beatdown at the hands of Inter prior to the international break. Now, Inter has been really good, favorites in the league, but 4-0 is still 4-0. Um, and it's going to be tough for them to bounce back against Atalanta. These are kind of two clubs that are looking to get in that mix. Not, you know, not the traditional, like, top five or six um Adelance has been in there recently Fiorentina's trying to get back in there so this is kind of a uh, an interesting one from that perspective I think is it too soon to talk maybe relegation six pointers because I don't know Monza Lecce that one looks like it could be something where like a win here could mean a lot you know if it gets down to that point come May I think Monza will be safe uh, I think they have enough talent they, they've been pretty good the last few years I know they lost some talent um Lecce's been kind of a surprise team so far. They, they have, they're on seven they, points. Yeah, that's true. They, they actually yeah. they've had some. Maybe maybe they are for real. I mean, they they did beat Lazio when Lazio were pretty lowly. I mean, they if you ask Nick, they're always lowly. Well, they they, um, they took it from them in the last like ten minutes of the match. They yeah, were down one nothing for a while. And then they break Salernitana, who I, I mean, that's you know I would consider them also maybe bottom of the table. So yeah, 
But um, hey, you got to take care of business to, to, to stay up. So, right. And I not. think, I think that's the important thing for them is if you're piling up points early on, that's usually how those kind of teams stay up because they were one of the three teams many people pegged for relegation. Um, so in, in some ways it's a big match for them at Monza because if they can keep that early momentum going, they can put themselves in a, a pretty good position compared to the likes of, uh, you know, Frozenone and some of those clubs. But, um, I think also interesting to see if Napoli bounces back after being beat up by Lazio. Um, they have some question marks after the departure of Kim for Bayern. Um, we'll see if they are the same club as last year. And then my Roma, big question marks in Rome um, on the, the Giallorossi side. I mean, this is, this to me is a must win uh, hosting Empoli only uh, one point for Roma so far through three matches that they, they have to win. Uh, they're going to be without probably Lorenzo Pellegrini who got um, injured right before international duty. Gianluca Mancini, the vice captain, center back, injured, uh, playing for Italy the other day, finally got a start for Italy with the with Spalletti in charge, and he got hurt around the 60th minute and muscle injury there. Um, they're hoping Alwar and Renato Sanchez are back available coming off muscle injuries. I mean, the the injury issues in Rome, they're they're starting to pile up yet again. And and Mourinho's staff is coming under fire for that because it's like, how do you have so many muscle injuries before you know October? Um, so I think that is a must win for Roma. That's just something I'm yeah. I'm looking at there. Mourinho is he's full on year three right now. Uh, he he missed the uh, his last press conference too, right? His his first yeah, game back I'm, on the sidelines, still skipping. So skip the skip three the matches, conference. three press conferences, or over three on press conferences made so far this season for Mourinho. I think that's that's the stat that we're tracking. We should have put that <laughs> as one of our our Serie A like uh, future. Picks. Should ask Wayne on that one, right? Yeah, over under number of post-match press conferences Mourinho makes. All right, so we'll keep that part brief because we do have a lot to cover that Inter-Milan match. And um, we have our locks for you. We'll start with the locks here. And Scotty, kick it off. You are coming in on fire after the last weekend. So where are you going to start the weekend? Yeah, I did well because I took some like non-traditional picks that kind of worked out for me. Um, so I'm going to kind of keep that theme here. I'm taking a bunch of first half money line picks. Um, we talked about the Premier League slate. There's a lot of heavy favorites, so it's hard to find value there. If you kind of want to pick and choose some totals, it, it gets a little dicey. So I felt like this is probably the best way to to kind of find value and, and be a little safe. So first one I'm taking, Manchester City, first half money line at West Ham. It's minus 105, so very close to even money. We talked about it, you know, earlier, but West Ham, although they are certainly one of the surprise clubs of the season with where they are in the table, given where they were last year in terms of relegation, I guess they're kind of almost like Lecce of of Premier League, where Lecce were, were, I think, finished 16th in the table last year, and here they are in the top five, similar to West Ham of of, of England. But I don't know that that's going to be something that it continues. Um, Manchester City are a different beast. Uh, there were a little bit of question marks when De Bruyne got hurt about you know, just how uh, uh, unstoppable they're going to be in, in this campaign, given what he means to the club. But, it, you know, Holland's hat trick against Fulham kind of answered some of those doubts. You know, Julian Alvarez has kind of stepped in and, and playing off of, of, of Holland and, and is certainly helping in, in that realm. Um, and, and Foden has kind of become a key contributor as well. So I think the goals will keep coming for them. Uh, I don't see them struggling to score in the opening uh, opening half. So that kind of that box is ticked. And I like what they've done with the defense. You know, they, they've kind of revamped their their, their defense. They brought in you know, Vardial from the Croatian from uh, Red Bull. So I think you can feel pretty safe that that West Ham will be challenged here to to actually get on the score sheet. All right. So I'm going back to one of my old reliables in the Bundesliga for my first one here. It is Union Berlin draw no bet at Wolfsburg plus 125. 
I know Union is coming off that 3 nothing loss to Leipzig uh, before the break, and we'll have one eye probably on this week's Champions League debut, their first ever Champions League match. But I think seeing them at plus 200, the money line against Wolfsburg, is, is downright disrespectful or a club that's been as successful as Union's been over the past couple seasons. I plan on taking advantage of it. I'm going to go no draw no bet just to cover myself, but I expect Union to get the job done, get some momentum heading into the Champions League, and uh, – I, I just love the number. I mean, if you get them at plus money, like like you can here, draw no bet. I, I really like it. They, they've been really good outside of that Leipzig match. The draw no bet, I think, is is the smart way to go here. I was looking at them earlier. They're plus 200, I think, on the money line. And I was really, really tempted to take it. But, you know, being on the road and, and like you said, coming off of a... Listen, no shame to Leipzig. They're, they're a good team. So it, it's not really a, a disappointing loss. But it, 3-0 still is kind of a, a tough one to, to swallow in, in, in any rate. So... I like the, the Drano bet here. It gives yourself a little cover should things not go completely to plan. Yeah, for sure. And um, in, in that match to to kind of make it, you know, the the, the red card in the 64th minute, then uh, Leipzig scored two goals after that. So they, they kind of piled on after the red card a little bit. Granted, numbers were really skewed either way, but uh, in terms of possession and shots and things like that. But like you said, no, no shame in losing to Leipzig. I like them to bounce back. So uh, we'll hold off on Nick's picks till the end, Scotty. Let you and I bounce back and forth, then we'll give his since he's not here to give him. Yeah, all right. Um, my second first half money line, I'm going to take Fulham versus Luton Town. I'm seeing yeah, a trend Fulham, here, Scotty. Yeah, you know, listen, Fulham just got smacked 5-1 by City. I still like City to, to win against West Ham. Fulham on paper, they look really good, right? You look at the lineup, they have a lot of guys that are returning, a lot of key players. Um, Paulinho was rumored to go to Bayern. That move fell apart, so he will be here and, and playing for Fulham, uh, which I think is huge for them. Uh, Raul, Raul Jimenez, I, I think, is as consistent of a you know mid-table striker as you'll find in the Premier League over the last five years. Um, so I, I like what you know he brings to this Fulham side. Luton Town, you know, they are almost destined to get you know, sent back to the championship. They they really haven't looked good in any of their matches. Their best was, you know, their first home match at Kenilworth Road um, against West Ham, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, but even then, they, they didn't have enough. They couldn't even, you know, they, they couldn't even get on the score sheet until like the 93rd minute. So uh, I think Fulham come out here. I think they're going to rebound pretty quickly off that loss. It's it's pretty easy to brush off a loss to City just because they are, you know, City, right? So I, I don't worry about anything lingering over them in this one. Uh, and I don't like them to kind of get back on pace because they, you know, listen, they, they lost Mitrovic, but they were a, a really strong club for most of the season last season. Uh, and playing at Craven Cottage is, is certainly a tough place. You know, it's one of those small, intimate stadiums. So I, I like the home field advantage here as well. Okay. So I am going to go to France for my next one. Ligue 1. It is Monaco Moneyline at Lorient, minus 115. Top of the table, Monaco, one of the hottest scoring teams in Europe. They traveled to a mid-table Lorient side. Monaco has been scoring at will so far this season. 13 scored in their last four matches. Uh, we cashed them as our, our pod lock last time out with the uh, team Undefeated total. pod lock. Yep. I expect them to score at least two here to stay hot and keep their place atop the table. I, I, I just think this is a, a good number on a team that's been really hot so far. Yeah, the team total over one and a half is minus one fifty. So yeah, that's certainly... why I had to go with the money line. I, I looked at the team total and I was hoping it would be similar, but it wasn't. Yeah, bodes well for for Monaco. All right, my final pot or my final lock uh, for this week. Another first half money line going Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace. I'm gonna kind of spoil one of Nick's picks. He he took Aston Villa money line minus one ten for me. I mean, to be honest, that almost is too good to be true. It feels like a rat line because. It, Villa, they lost to, to Liverpool going into break 3-0. Liverpool looked really good in that one. But if you take that match out of the equation, they were 
coming in on fire. I think there are 16, they, they won their last four matches by a combined score of like 16 to one. Um, they're scoring at will. I think that that'll continue here. Uh, Crystal Palace, we always say it, ultimate Jekyll and Hyde club, but typically when they're on the road, you, you see a little bit more of uh, of the uh, the Hyde than the Jekyll. So I, I like Aston Villa to get a result here. They're more than capable of scoring. So I think, again, getting a first half goal shouldn't be a problem for them. Uh, and Palace have been offensively challenged all season long. Really, their their results have been coming on the back of a very you know stout, packed defense. Um, but I think Villa can break that down and, and get on the score sheet early to, to bring home the first half money line. Yeah. Villa was disappointing before the break. Uh, it wasn't one of my personal locks, but I did lose a little, little couple of bets on them. Um, I, I do. I, I did consider the, the Knicks pick of money line as well. I, I think that is a good one. Um, it's usually a, a sign of doom. If all three of us are jumping on one pick. On so maybe you go crystal palace, but it, it just, it, Sometimes even if it's a rat line, you can sniff it out. You have to take the cheese because if you don't, yeah. you're going to be punching yourself. Yeah, there, there are certain times where you don't even regret it if you lose it because it's just too good of a line to pass up. You sometimes. have to take it. Yeah. I am going back to the Bundesliga with my third one. I'm going Borussia Mönchengladbach, money line at Darmstadt, plus 130. Both of these ty- teams have struggled defensively out of the gate, but Mönchengladbach showed some improvement the last time out holding Bayern to uh, two goals and a 2-1 loss. Newly promoted Darmstadt has found life in the Bundesliga difficult. I think they're the perfect medicine to get Gladbach back on track. You talked about Lutton Town being a, a prime relegation candidate in uh, the Premier League. I talked about Frozen Onion City. I think Darmstadt is that team in the Bundesliga from what we've seen so far. So uh, plus 130 in the money line. I think Munch and Gladbach has enough to get it done against the, the what has seemed like the weakest team in the Bundesliga so far. All right, I'll take Nick's first two picks here, Coach. So as we mentioned, Nick took Aston Villa money line minus one ten versus Crystal Palace. Again, it's a certainly a rat line, one that's tempted to get as many people over onto Aston Villa, only for Crystal Palace to upset them in some capacity. But it's too good to pass up. So hopping in on that one at minus one ten, basically even money, as good as you'll find in the Premier League uh, all weekend long. His second one, Inter Miami, draw no bet at Atlanta. Atlanta, I'm going with Atalanta, uh, plus 105. To me, that's crazy value for draw no bet. I mean, Messi has transformed this club and Messi and, and Busquets and 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 team um, have really been transformed. So uh, getting them at, at draw no bet at plus 105, albeit on the road. I know Atlanta is a, a tough place to play. I keep saying Atlanta. That's a very weird thing that I keep doing. Um, Atlanta is a tough place to play on the road, but uh, I think Messi's got the ability and then the experience to get them through it. So getting them at basically even money draw no bet is, is a very easy decision to take. Well, the reason you probably keep saying Atalanta is because right underneath Nick has typed his third pick, true. which is Atalanta draw no bet at Fiorentina minus one Oh five. Um, like we said, Fiorentina is coming off that five, nothing thumping at the hands of Inter where, whereas um, Atalanta is coming off a three, nothing win against Monza. He thinks they're going to continue to stay hot. I like him draw no bet. Um, they are unbeaten in 11 of their last 14 against Fiorentina, even though recently Fiorentina has found a little more success. Um, but Atalanta looks like the better side so far early in the season with the protection of the draw no bet at plus money is a pretty good number, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't hate it either. Um, but that'll bring us to our pod lock, which, as mentioned, is undefeated on the season. So we're going to continue plus that trend. 3.4 units. It's always good. We have a plus 100 money line winner for you. This week, it is Atletico Madrid at Valencia. Atletico are as hot as anybody hitting into the break. You know, they're undefeated on the season in La Liga. They just won, I think it's like 7-0 uh, against Rayo Valencia. 
Um, meanwhile, Valencia, although starting the season, okay, I've kind of hit a rough patch here, lost their last two matches. Um, their managers, they fired at some point in, in, in August. So they're kind of, you know, trying to replace him at the moment. Um, you know, Atletico, we know what they're going to do. Their defense has only allowed one goal in three matches so far this season. Valencia on the flip side are averaging about a goal a game. So I think they'll struggle to score in this one. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, can Atletico get on the score sheet? You know, they don't need to get seven like they did last week, but two is plenty here to get the win. And I think they can still win even if they just get the one. Yeah, I like it. Coming off that big win, even money. You don't get a team like that even money very often. Um, five and zero oh for the podlock is what, what the hope is here. Yeah, and then I think Morata, he, uh, didn't he score a couple goals during international break too? I think he's kind he, of surprisingly in good he, form he right did. now. I believe he did, yeah. And so he, maybe it's the he, time he to get in on him. He back too at one, on one point because I know I had a, well, a team total bet that's on That's the Spain full Morata and, then. And, and when I saw the VAR, I thought my 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 team total bet was going to get screwed, but I, it did come through in the end. But yeah, he, he did score a little bit for Spain. It's amazing because I don't rate him. I know you and Nick don't rate him. He keeps getting starts for Spain, scores goals there. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of him sometimes. Hey, if he's in form and, and you can help us out here, all for it. Yeah, so that's where we'll we'll wrap the the pod, the picks of the week. If you are listening on the pod, you'll get the interview next. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for watching the our picks of the week. And you can get the separate video for our interview with Martino and Alex previewing the Derby della Madonnina. All right, so it's a big weekend in Serie A coming up. We know Juve's playing Lazio, uh, Adelanza, Fiorentina, but there's no bigger one on the slate than Saturday, uh, noon Eastern time. It's the Derby della Madonnina, Inter against Milan, and it doesn't get much bigger than this in terms of an early season matchup when you consider that both teams are three wins in three matches. Um only two perfect records through three match days in Serie A so far. And for this one, Scotty and I have two special guests. We have Martino Puccio of The Athletic and Alex Rafa of The Interviews Podcast. We brought on each side of the San Siro to talk this one. So, guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Uh, thank you for, for having me on. It's, uh, you know, I think the storyline coming into this Serie A season was obviously – the second star, right? Which team is in Milan is going to be able to get there. And obviously the season has started well for both clubs. So it only increases that excitement factor for, uh, for this weekend. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on again. I think this is my second or third, third time, third time. And I know your name is Steve, Steve, this time. Because yeah. I kept calling <laughs> you by Sam because I kind of subconsciously knew your brother. It was like the most bizarre thing in the world. So I kept calling you Sam, but that's not the case. Uh, yeah, um, it's been great. Too bad Nick isn't here. I had him on for the Serie A preview, so we've already pretty much discussed a lot of what some of the favorites were and how Inter were kind of a big favorite coming in i don't know relative to the other teams i guess you could say um so yeah it's been fascinating to see the first three games i'm excited yeah i i got a good chuckle when you called me sam it was actually an episode you were on i wasn't for the world cup and, and i listened to it and i was like that's great and i was like and then we found out you do know my brother a little bit so that's like it kind of made a little more sense after because i was like sam of all names but uh yeah you do so funny stuff um I mean, we'll, we'll kick right into it. Uh, Inter is the designated home side for this one. Usually doesn't make much of a difference, though, because they these derbies, they you know get fans from both sides. Um, I mentioned two teams, perfect record so far, 3-0. Both teams have scored eight times in three matches, so their scoring record has been pretty impressive so far as well. 
Um, Milan's coming off a 2-1 win over Roma at the Stadio Olimpico prior to the international break. And Inter, was it was it 3-0 over Fiorentina, Alex? I know they, they hammered Fiorentina. Was it 4? It was 4. Four. It was four. So, first time they had done they had done that in since like 1965. So it was a big win. Yeah, and Inter yet to concede. That's that's even more impressive. I think is three matches without conceding a goal. So I'll go to Alex first since you guys are the home side. What did you? What has been most impressive for you as an Inter fan coming in? I don't know if you expect it to be this good, but what's impressed you so far with your side? Well, if you look at um, the starting 11 this year compared to last year, there's not a lot of turnover, despite the fact that um, there's been a lot of turnover in the squad itself. There's not been a lot of turnover in the starting 11, except for two really key positions. The first being in goal. Jan Sommer is there after an amazing season from uh, Andre Onana last year that you know, saw him get a move to Manchester United. Um, and then, of course, Marcus Duram in the place of Jekyll slash Lukaku. So those are, even though there's not a lot of turnover in the starting 11, those are two bitty, pretty big positions to be uh, filling uh, with guys who did a great job last year. So I think the most impressive thing has been just how well the side have looked um, despite losing some really, really key players over the summer. Um, Inzaghi is obviously a, a system coach, right, with this 3-5-2. So the, this being the third year of this squad uh, going through the uh, the tactics and, and playing in the system, you can see that, you know, they know it like the back of their hand. And it it, it this squad is really built for Simona now. Um, and we're seeing the fruits of his labor. Obviously, uh, the eight goals this year, only one coming from penalties, which I'm sure Martino will talk a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then the, uh, you know, the defense has been has been stellar. So it's been a good start. I think every Inter fan is a little on edge because of how good it's been. Right. You're sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And obviously with this weekend having the biggest game one of the biggest games of the year um, already so so early in the season. Um, it's an exciting time, but it's also a bit of a nerve-wracking time. Yeah, and what about on the black and red side, Martino? What's impressed you? Um, hmm. Uh, let's say uh, probably being relatively healthy going into the first match of the season, I guess, um, and already this is probably the biggest talking point of them heading into this match. But overall, you, you know, like, Alex was uh, talking about continuity. Milan changed up formations. They went 4-3-3. Um, so it was a big change with that. Tonali obviously getting swapped out. Um, there's a lot more depth in that area. Um, I wouldn't say anyone that we signed just yet is better than him. But, I mean, what we've seen through Loftus-Cheek and Reinders already, it's at least going to be near that level. And if you get two of those guys as opposed to just one, um, because they never properly replaced Kessie last year. So that was like such a big deal. Um, and, and this was a team that was lucky enough to scrape on by. Um, and then they added attacking depth. I mean, Pulisic already scored. I, I assume we're all American here. So he's all our guy in some form. But I mean, it was just great to kind of see that get off on the right foot with the new signings because of what happened last year's summer was a disaster. Probably one of the worst that you could remember transfer market wise. I know like Inter sold off players. It was a completely different situation when they won the title. But for Milan, it was kind of trying to add to what they had and you couldn't get more goose eggs if you tried. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm just fascinated to see how the defense holds up because that was the biggest question mark. And we've kind of already see some red flags um, heading into this game. 
Yeah, let's stick with Milan for a second. You mentioned, you guys both mentioned transfers. That's something I want to ask you about. Milan's transfer market was heavily scrutinized early on by the TFOC, especially when Tonali was sold to Newcastle for big money. But they brought in a ton of players. You already mentioned Pulsic and Loftus-Cheek, and, and I'm, I'm not going to probably pronounce his name right, but you say, how do you pronounce his name? Just the, say, just say Rinders. It's just Rinders. very easy. Just okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, what, what have you made of the new signing so far? You guys brought in a lot of players in the end. Yeah. I mean, they're more dynamic box to box type midfielders. They're not the traditional double pivot that everybody kind of thought they were heading towards. I mean, Loftus-Cheek is already one of physically the biggest midfielders in the league and how he's just been able to bounce off of or players bounce off of him. Excuse me. Um, the physicality of both of these guys has been very impressive, especially when you consider guys like Pobega that find, I, I mean, it's not to insult the guy. He looks like he runs with Timberlands on. So he's very slow. He, it doesn't work for kind of the modern game or what Milan's looking for. Um, but yeah, it's really kind of waiting to see when Chukwese gets his opportunities because that's a guy they've paid 20 plus million for. But Pulisic, like it's instant success. I mean, we saw it preseason tours, preseason tours. So can't really go off it too much. But the Serie A impact out of what we all know is his weakest position out of the front three spots that he plays in um, to just produce right away in a league that's always difficult to score in or create has been great to see. Um and it's really kind of a little bit paranoia with health because that's been the number one issue. And obviously as a Jets fan this week, that's like been like, I saw all I can think about. It's just, it's, too, it's just, an, okay. Yeah. So like I was very hyped just really quick because I know it's a betting show. I put a hundred dollars down on the Jets to win plus 1500 Super Bowl Cause I was just very hyped for, it. I was with the positive vibes. I'm usually a, a pessimist. If you follow me at this point, um, but yeah, I mean, him snapping the Achilles immediately was just, but that's just what I was worried about going into this break. Olivier Giroux, he's 36. I, I hope to see some sort of, you know, rotation at the striker position where we see no Okafor, but the matches they've gotten in have been strange. You're up 4-1, 4 nothing against Torino. You're coming on, you're pretty much seeing out the match. Then uh, with the Roma one, you're down a man at the Olympico, Steve, like, obviously, like, sorry about that, but like, um, you know, like there wasn't kind of much to see in in terms of attacking progress because they're trying to hold on to the ball. It's a one goal league. Spinazzola was cooking Calabria uh, all the second half. He looked like he did pre Achilles. I know that's kind of funny how that got brought up again. But um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of worrisome in the central area because we kind of I, we also don't think Musa is going to be ready immediately to take on a role in which if you're the regista you have to guide Milan to a 20th Scudetto at his age with his kind of flaws. Like, remember he was suspended for the first match because of his recklessness uh, for a team in Valencia that was about to be relegated. So, you know, making those kind of mistakes show that naivety of his, and we know Pioli doesn't trust youngsters. So it's, it it's scary on top of the fact that we don't beat Inter. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Pulisic. It's almost like that Chelsea curse was lifted off him, right? The, the mess that is Chelsea. He's looked really good. He almost scored a third goal this season against Roma. But Patricio actually made a good save for once this <laughs> The this only year. one, yeah. Uh, about the only one he's made. Um, yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what those guys can do because Giroud's not going to be able to carry the load at that age for, you know, three competitions. And they're going to need to work in um, Okafor and 
uh, the Luka, guy they, they signed. Luka Jovic, yeah. Luka you, Jovic yeah. Of, of famed Real Madrid transfers. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just – and that was a last-ditch move too because that really wasn't the priority that they wanted. They wanted Taremi. Um, and then even the two guys that Inter had, those were also the linked players at the start of the window. Uh, Arnautovic more so with Maldini before the Maldini sack, and that was part of why, because that was supposed to be the backup, at least Arnautovic is number three at Inter. Uh but yeah, I mean, it's just that you worry about the makeshift attack because the injuries are happening already. And Okafor, again, I'm not sure go on a tangent here. He's not a true number nine. So he's kind of this center forward left wing type. So you're kind of asking the play style to be a little bit different too when he comes on. And, and he's not a prolific goal scorer by any means. So it's there's just too many question marks despite the talent. So, yeah. Yeah, and sorry to both of you being Jets fans. I, I can only imagine what it's what it was like being hyped since like July, and then then having that happen. It, you know, that's what uh, it was like. It was devastating. <laughs> you can can't you imagine. can't like poke a hole in the fifty three man roster for the first time in my life, and then the one position that matters more than any was. I'm sorry. It's just you have to vent. Alex will know this. You just... I mean, seeing that seeing the number eight on your wall is really killing me right now. Well, that well, yeah, it's killing it's killing me for another reason because that's a Tonali kit, so that's that's <laughs> yeah. not even the Rogers one. Um, and he's already hurt, so he's gonna miss the Champions League stuff. But go ahead. Yeah. So Martino mentioned striker. Striker was an interesting one in the summer for Inter as well. Um, Gianluca Scamacca linked with both our clubs, Roma and Inter, ended up going to Atalanta. That it looked like Inter had him. Locked up, then to turn into Arnautovic as, as a, a backup option after a, a few other names didn't pan out. But Davide Fratesi, hero for Italy yesterday. I mean, how has he fit in, do you think, so far? And then obviously Taram, you mentioned. So, uh, how's it going there? And how's Somer looked in terms of filling in for a guy like Onana, who's been who was outstanding last year for Inter? Okay, so let's let's do it from the top. All like all four levels of the team. Um, in terms of the strikers, like it really. Inzaghi is not, um, at least early on in the season, he hasn't been in favor of too much rotation, right? We've seen cameos from Arnautovic. Obviously, you know, the debut uh, back at at San Siro for him was wonderful. Uh, you know, a 20-minute cameo where he did really well. But outside of that, it's been the Lautaro and Turam show. And I think a lot of Interisti going into this season probably on paper felt like we had downgraded at the attack, right? And, you know, this stuff is is all still to play out. But I think my main takeaway from seeing Turam and, and Lautaro together is that Turam's style of play, um, he's very unselfish and he needs to improve his finishing, but he's allowing Lautaro to, to thrive and to really be that number one option. And we've seen Lautaro with that captain's armband just be sort of a different player, right? I think the Lautaro that everyone is used to is a player that does what he does in spurts, right? Lacking the consistency where he'll go, he'll have four or five matches where he plays like his hair's on fire and then he won't score for the next nine. That's what we need to to look forward to this season. Like, is he going to be able to find that consistency where he can be a striker that is scoring 25 to 30 goals. And I think early returns on the partnership with Turam indicate that he can, you know, mold into the striker that I think all the Interisti are, are hoping that he can be. In terms of the midfield, again, I think, you know, we have a lot of depth, but we haven't yet tapped into it. Inzaghi loves his veterans, right? So Mikitarian, despite being one of the less impressive performers, I will say from, you know, the start of the season, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that Fratesi is is on his on the verge of getting a ton more playing time. Again, same thing with Arnautovic. We've seen Fratesi in in little cameos, but there's not been anything you know that you can really look at and say, oh wow, this is you know he's going to be a killer once he gets into the lineup. Outside of the performance that he just had for for Italy this week, um, I don't I don't believe. We'll see him from the start on uh, Saturday. I think Inzaghi is still going to roll with with Mikitari and the veteran because it's a really tough spot to put a kid in um, to ask him to you know play this Milan derby when he hasn't had a ton of game time with Barella and Hakan. You know, fingers crossed, the whole midfield can get there. Uh, in terms of the the goalkeeper, Jan Sommer. What I've noticed is that he has attempted some of the the distance passing that we've seen from Onana, but it hasn't come off with the same success rate, which I think Interisti were prepared for, right? He is not Onana. I, I don't think many goalkeepers are with a ball at the at you know their feet. Um, but he's been it's tough to give a grade on Somer, right? Because we haven't been given up too many chances. I think the biggest save that he's made so far has been against Cagliari in the dying, you know, the dying seconds where he made a nice, a nice save diving to his left. Um, but outside of that, the rest of the stuff was standard against Fiorentina. He is the shortest goalkeeper in Serie A. So it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, some of the big boys on Milan, it's a very big physical team this year uh, with Chow, you know, with Loftus-Cheek, if Giroud is, is able to play, there's a lot of big guys in there that can get on the end of some crosses, whether it be from a dead ball or, you know, whether it be them pushing up the field. So it will be interesting to see if uh, Somer is tested in the air, um, given sort of his physical deficiencies compared to some of the players that he'll be facing on Saturday. Um, it's, you know, like I said, the the big signing, uh, Marcus Turam, has performed very well. The rest of the signings, they haven't had the game time yet. So we'll see how how things play out there. Yeah, still early, just three matches. And and I mean, from what I've seen from Fratesi, I wanted him at Roma real bad. I, and, you know, I, I was very disappointed they didn't make that happen. So I expect him to be a, a player for Inter this year. I expect him to be, you know, protagonist as the year goes on. Um, <clears throat> heading into the matchup, any reasons for concern from what you guys have seen from your size? I know Inter, from what I've seen, their full squad pretty much is available. Milan's going to be without Tamori because he was suspended for getting the, the double yellow against Roma. Um, so th- th- there's your gift from, from Roma for, for Inter fans. Um, Kalulu and Giroud are both doubtful. I know though, Martina, we were talking before there, they're going to have some fitness checks, but anything concerning for you guys heading into this one? I mean, I don't think Alex should have any concerns, but I'm not going to speak for him. Um, I mean, the, what the stat came out today, we haven't scored on Inter in over 380 days or something like that. Um, Listen, I kind of throw the Supercopa out of the window. That was like the most disastrous stretch of Milan I think I've ever seen. Um, And that includes, you know, some of the Banta era teams. But we were giving up record amounts of goals at that point in the season. Um, Yeah, I'm concerned because we don't have a great defense. And this is a side that consistently feasts on us. I thought Inter's attack was a little bit weaker in general last season. That was more of a fitness thing, not as much quality. Taram, like Alex was saying again... Um, physically imposing, creating a lot, attacking well. I mean, I saw his finishing is still, I don't want to say abysmal, but at times you're like, what the hell is that? And God forbid, I guess, if Inter go through a stretch where Lautaro goes cold and then you have Turam. But the fact is, 
they're going to create so many chances. Um, and Kalulu relatively shorter than most center backs. I mean, if Kier gets in there, he's obviously too slow at this point after the ACL Milan, like to be more of a higher press Chow, I'm not as worried about, but he's still 21. It's, it's a big moment. Um, yeah, centrally, honestly, like how does Krunic combat Inter with that? It's different because it's not a double pivot without Benacer in the second leg, but it, it, it's still not a high quality player. He's got to do the bare minimum in terms of winning duels and intercepting the ball and not pushing up too high up the pitch. He's not going to be a protagonist offensively. So they're going to have to rely on Rinders and, and um, sorry, Loftus-Cheek in that matter. But with the way Inter fielded with a 3-5-2, <laughs> it's going to be very hard because I think if Inter control the midfield, I don't see how Milan win this. I think that's a, it's a grave concern. Um, but again, it's it's a revamp Milan attack. But as far as negatives go, that's that's my cause for concern. And I know some people... Uh, some Inter fans think uh, no Tomori is actually a negative for them as opposed to as opposed to him starting. So, I mean, I mean, it's true, though. You see the recklessness. Uh, it's 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 inconsistent. It's very Jekyll or Hyde. If Tomori's on his game, he's winning man in the match awards against Spurs in the Champions League. Regardless if Spurs suck, it's still the Champions League. Uh, or he gets a double yellow against Roma when he was playing stupid the entire match on Bolotti. Like, there's no reason to touch him, even if he's embellishing a little bit. It's just really poor. The level and standard that they need to reach to win number 20 isn't there right now. And that was my major concern prior to the year. And it's showing. So, Yeah, in terms of, um, you know, just fitness concerns for Inter, again, fingers crossed because the South Americans still need to uh, to get on that plane and head over to Milano. We'll see, uh, you know, if everyone comes back fit. But it's really... It's really match fitness from our depth guys as opposed to confirmed outs, right? You have a Cherby that hasn't played yet this season. He's been cleared to play, but he doesn't have the match fitness. So you're looking at, you know, if the Vrai isn't able to complete the 90 minutes, is that going to be a concern for Inter? Cuadrado picked up a little bit of a knock uh, for Colombia this international break. Again, we've been going to Cuadrado late in the games, making that change for, for Dumfries around the 65th, 70th minute. So let's see if plans change there. And then, of course, up top with Alexis, uh, diagnosed with anemia um, this this international break. We haven't gone to our fourth striker yet. But again, you know, you like to have all your options available. You don't know what his status is going to be. It's it's likely that he's called up, given that he did. Um, I believe he appeared in the second match. Um, yes, he did in the second match for Chile in this, this international break. So... You know, everyone should be called up. It's less of a concern from the perspective of are we going to be able to roll out the starting 11 that we've been going with, but more so if there are situations where we need to look towards the bench for our depth, there might be some fitness concerns there that um, we'll have to see, you know, how Inzaghi address addresses. But the squad depth itself overall, um, we have what feels like one for ones at every single position. Um, so we'll see if that becomes a factor on uh, on Saturday. Okay. So Martino mentioned about 380 minutes since Milan last scored on Inter. And it's uh, Inter swept both matches last season. They won four or five by clean sheet in all competitions against Milan over the course of the last couple of seasons. Copa Italia mixed in there and, uh, and, and everything else. So, uh, because uh, probably mainly because of that, the lines in this one enter the pretty heavy favorite at plus 110. Milan's plus 220. The draw line right now is at plus 255. Last check just a couple of minutes ago. 
Both teams to score is minus 145, and the over two and a half is at minus 115, the under at minus 105. Um, I think that number is pretty close because it depends a lot on if Milan can crack this this Inter defense. So what's made Inter so dominant in the last handful of head-to-head matches for these for these sides? Well, it's interesting because, you know, that first meeting last season, I thought we looked the worst that we, the worst that we had looked the whole uh, reign of, of Simone Inzaghi. Um, what I think has been the clear advantage that Inter has had over Milan very recently is that in terms of in, in tactical terms, we have a lot of consistency with the starting 11 that we roll out there with the kind of tactics that we've been playing. So it's, it's, we know the game that we're trying to to play as opposed to, I think what we've seen from, from Milan and Pioli is there has been a lot of switching things up, whether it be tactically, whether it be with the formation, whether it be out of necessity because of injury, they haven't had the same consistency, right? It's not like we've seen the same starting 11s go at each other, you know, five times last year. There's been changes, a lot of changes, but it hurts Inter less because the system never changes, right? The players might change the individual characteristics. You know, there might be simple tweaks, but the system is the same. And I don't think that you've been able to say that for, for Milan, right? During the stretches that they had last season where things were poor, I mean, Martino, how many different formations did we see? 433, 4231, 352. Like um, yeah, it was like even in the in the derby in Serie A, it was just to not concede because Tatarusano was in there. I mean, you're not having right think say what you want about Manyan. I think he's at least the top three goalkeeper in the world. Not having somebody like that, regardless of how the game's going against Inter, those are crucial saves. I, I think Tatarusano actually played well in that one, but there was no Rafael Leao starting. That was like the point in where you're kind of trying to understand why Pioli still had a job at one point in time, because regardless of how the match goes, you had Divac Origi up top solo, um, who also was inconsistent, not really playing as much. That team that they had in the Supercopa was absolutely disastrous. Benacer gets injured. I mean, that's the main point. It's just so much inconsistency on top of just being overmatched. I mean, just the technical ability and quality of Inter's player. Milan are very good in terms of physicality to match with Inter. I don't think that's ever been really a discussion uh, since they kind of like, you know, since Conte left, I would say that. Um, Because Lukaku at that point was bullying Romagnoli and Chiara. And then Milan's like, okay, we need guys who are athletic. Um, So with that, it's just... No offensive players. I'm sorry. Like, I, I know people went at Rafael Leal for his performances in the semifinal. He's coming back from an injury, for one. And two, it's no disrespect to Inter's defense, but you know how easy it is when you're holding, like, a two-goal lead and Leao comes back and he's the only threat? Like, who else are you worrying about in that instance? Giroud's playing every three to four days. He's supposed to be pressing, pressing up and, like, doing a lot in terms of that. He's not going to be capable of doing that. The service through the right side is abysmal. You lost your best creative midfielder in Benacer. Like, it's just, there wasn't enough talent around there uh, to make up for that on top of being down to nil. It's just embarrassing because that's the story of it. Milan have not scored. Forget about stopping Inter. You can't even get a goal. Um, but the fascinating part is probably is that Milan have kind of played Inter well since Inzaghi arrived in Serie A. 
that's the one thing. Um, they've been kind of splitting points and wins um, and even draws at instances. Like Milan didn't lose to enter the year. They won the Scudetto. Um, the, the same went for last year. They split in Serie A, but obviously the Supercopa and Champions League overshadow everything. But when it has been within Serie A, they've kind of bridged the gap a little bit. But, I mean, the big question mark is these attackers. Like, what are they, are they going to be, is Pulisic going to be able to do what he's done against these teams, against Inter? And if he plays to somewhat that level, then we might be looking at an entirely different match. Um, so I guess that's the next topic. I don't want to take that in. Yeah, I mean, you 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 can go, and I was going to ask you, and, and <laughs> thanks for correcting that, because I forgot they played so many times last year. that the, They split the Serie A, it was the, the Champions League where they, shut them out both legs they they clean sheet themselves actually four straight matches clean sheet and four out of five mm. on the season so long lot a lot of minutes um so on that topic what do you think this milan especially if Giroud doesn't play what does this milan have to do to break down an interdefense that has yet to concede this season uh i think it starts with the press too because if you're gonna have a dynamic player like oka for you it sets the tone um coming out right at them because you know, there's a mentality difference as well at times. Um, we we saw them kind of have that adversity when they came back in that one match, um, two to one, where Giroud scored a couple of times. But that was kind of, I'm not saying it's a miracle. It's just high. It's really hard to repeat what he did, scoring five, uh, twice in like five, six minutes. Um, so just to have that continued pressure to know that you don't have to force the ball to one side of the field. The right side of the pitch for Milan has been just as effective with Loftus-Cheek um, and, and Christian as well. So just to have that, and then the depth, as you mentioned, Alex is talking about Quadrado cameos for 20 minutes is phenomenal at his age at the right wing back spot. You know, Milan have Chukwese that they could bring off the bench. That's someone that's been dynamic that has produced in the Champions League. You know, like we were bringing off Alexis Salamakers. One of the statistics I've been telling people was that his Serie A goal-scoring record in a singular season is two goals, a right-winger for AC Milan. That's his record. Um, Pulisic did it in two matches. So, like, that's, that's the level we're talking about. And no disrespect, Steve, to Roma, Everyone was saying this is the first big test for Milan and what they're able to do. We haven't lost to Roma in years. This is the big test. This is everything. It's the team that's beaten you four straight times. You can't score on them. They've had your number. Yeah, you won the Scudetto one time. But like largely outside of that, Inter have had our number the past, I don't know, ever since the Banta era started. It hasn't really been kind to Milan. So there's just a lot of that. I just personally want to see, you know, when things used to be like derbies were unpredictable. Um, because of the intensity that could get brought into any given match. Hasn't been like that. You can tell like the energy level with Inter is just different. I that That's the difference. I think the best chance is, is goals here. That's wise, by the way. Uh, I don't know if uh, you want me to mention that, because uh, over two and a half, I think at minus 115 is kind of not a steal, I would say. I just think that's a really good number for two and a half, which... If we talk about Milan's defense being shaky, and these two attacks, I think, are the second and third best attack you throw Napoli's in there in the league. I think at this point, like, you're going to see a ton of opportunities because uh, it's really impressive on both sides, in my opinion, what I've seen so far. Yeah, we, we can we can jump ahead to the betting angle since we're on it. Um, the, the, the over number, I think, if, if Milan gets a goal, I think that over two and a half is probably really in play. <laughs> Yeah, because if both teams score, I, I think you, you probably get a third base the way these teams have been scoring goals this year. Um, 
Alex, anything jump out at you in terms of like when you see what Vegas is is listing this game? Does it worry you at all that Inter is such a big favorite heading into a derby? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's worrisome because I actually think, you know, when it comes to soccer lines, Vegas does sort of have these lopsided um, lopsided odds that aren't always reflective of the competitiveness competitiveness of the game. Um, in terms, of, I think both teams to score is a good bet, even though, you know, it's a good, it's a good size favorite, but I'd also go the over, uh, for a couple different reasons. I think, um, one changes in, in Milan's defense, right? Anytime, you know, anytime there's changes in, in defense, especially if it's the first time those guys are going to be rolling out together this year. I don't know, you know, Kyer and, and Chow don't have a lot of time together, right? So, Maybe, you know, that that would be fine to trot out against uh, a lower level team, right? But when you're doing it against Lataro and Turam, I think it's reasonable to expect um, the informed strike partnership to be able to find a way to take advantage. Uh, but also, you know, I really do believe that this is probably the best Milan uh, front three um, that I've seen in a long time, right? If you think about... With Leal, Darmian is, at, we've done a good enough job being able to contain him, um, but now Darmian's a, a year older, right? We may, we've played a lot against Leal and we understand Leal, but you can't account for for father time and Pavard is unlikely to play given that, you know, we have, he hasn't been training a lot with the team and to throw him in there for a derby is not something that I can see Simona doing. In terms of uh, the striker, right? I think a lot of Milanisti are probably nervous that Giroud is not going to be in there. Giroud is the perfect striker for a guy like Stefan De Vrij, who's likely to start. He's the perfect striker to match up with him because they're both physical and De Vrij is, has been in, in great form. The striker that De Vrij doesn't want to see is Okafor, a player who's going to be a little shifty, a little bit quicker, um, and who can get around you, right? The, those big burly center backs don't want to see those those little guys flying around and making them work, work all game. So I think that, you know, while... Milan Milanisti are going to be nervous to not have their top goal scorer. Okafor is the player that Devrai does not want to play against. He's not that number nine that he can mark the whole game. And then Pulisic is not a player that Bastoni has seen before, right? Bastoni defensively this year has been has been great, but he's not seen Pulisic before, right? These are, you know, Pulisic has enough quality to give Bastoni problems. So if you just look at the if you just look at both back lines and the challenges that they're going to have, you have Milan, which is the challenge of containing one of the better strike partnerships in the league, and then you have Inter, which is the challenge of going up against a strike force that is much quicker than they are. Um, so I think it's it's fair to say that over on the goals is a, is a, a pretty solid bet. Yeah, Scotty, I'll bring you in too here on the the betting side. What what are you noticing? Anything in the lines that jumps out at you? Well, yeah, I mean, I was getting a little bit ahead and looking at some of like the props. Um, I, I was looking at goal score props specifically. I, yeah, um, I just pulled those up too. If you want to read start, some of those out, they're we big. start looking at some of the numbers at Milan. You know, Leao I think is sitting at like plus two seventy. I think I saw um, uh, Pulisic was sitting around plus three thirty, and then Okafor at, at plus three fifty is like the real eyebrow. So if 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 you find out that Giroud is not going to be playing and, and and Okafor is getting the start in this one. I could easily see throwing a little bit on on him and, and maybe Leao and just hoping that there's either, like Martino said, a, a press that creates a, an error that leads to a bit of a break and, and maybe the speed and athleticism of, of Leao and Okafor can kind of catch Inter out. Or maybe you see an issue where Dumfries gets, you know, playing placed a little bit farther forward and, and, and Leao can get out on a break and, 
you know, feed, feed Okafor or, or play up that partnership. So I think playing off of one or even both of those guys, you know, even if you get one hit there, you're, you're going to still turn out a profit. And if you get lucky and they both hit, it's a, it's a big one, but um, that's kind of where I was looking initially. I know you guys are all on goals just on the trend of how Inter have been, you know, playing the Derby and then how they've been playing the season with, with, you know, their clean sheets Inter to, to keep a clean sheet, not even win, but just to keep a clean sheet as plus 200. So if you think history repeats itself and, and maybe you are a big Giroud believer and then you're not a, a fan of how Milan is going to, you know, uh, handle Inter with, without him plus 200 on Inter to keep a clean sheet, considering the history and, and the, the form that they're in right now is, is a pretty good one. Yeah, the, the goal score numbers jumped out of me. Even for Inter, like Taram is plus two forty. I mean, Lautaro is the, the the closest to even at plus one forty, but Taram jumps out of plus two forty. I mean, or now wow, plus where, two fifty. Where's, he, where's he coming in at plus two forty? That's crazy. Uh, I've got him on uh, DraftKings here. He's plus two forty. Taram. That's yep. insane for any yeah. time. Yep. Any anytime goal scorer, and even Mkhitaryan and Chelinoglu, who can score from the midfield the plus three hundred. Yeah, and, and yeah, well, yeah, that's a, that's the thing too with like penalty takers. Even if you think this match is sort of chippy in that sense, or it could get to that, that's happened plenty of times. There's been penalties in this matchup. Jalanoglu, I think that's something that's somebody that's going to get the penalty in this one. I think he's taken them well against Milan for someone who's, a, I, I would say he's more of an emotional player. Like it's an emotional match for him right, uh, compared to most players. But Taram, just for comparison with FanDuel really quick to show how good that is, he's plus 125. He's the main wow. favorite of the anytime goal scorers. So if you just comparatively look at these markets, I know we talk about it all the time. And Scotty, this is something that we like. We always see it like Chaka Traore, right? Plus 280 goal scorer. Do any, it's not even to be disrespectful. Does anyone in here know who that is? Who? Exactly. There's that's, too many that's a, that's for me that's to a, keep track that, of if we're being honest. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. Well, that too. But he's a, he's a primavera kid who's never debuted, and so well, actually, he had his debut with Parma when he was 16. They, he was playing with the primavera last year. These are the types of players that have higher odds than like Milan, yeah. uh, or yeah. like the top players, and they're in here. Like Teo Hernandez is plus 700. I know he doesn't really score and get that forward against Inter, but again, he's also like if Giroud's not playing, Teo's usually the designated penalty taker. So that's just kind I was just of an angle. Ask you who who's next? Yeah, exactly. So Teo Teo is that player. So you could see that. I know Pulisic takes them well. I I don't see him supplanting a veteran and a player like Teo in doing that. I wouldn't be completely stunned. But it's kind of stuff like that that you look at and you're kind of like, I don't understand where this comes from. And then Lautaro, I think, is plus one forty five here. I mean, the, the dude scores all the time. I mean, at the, at this point. It's kind of it's kind of naive not to bet him, and I know how difficult it is to score in this sport. But if he's constantly doing it, you just take it. It's that plus money. And again, I know Alex. I'm not really sure. Uh, like at times, I see him take penalties. Would this even be one that he actually like? Hakan is the Inzaghi has said that Hakan is a designated penalty kick taker. But again, you don't know game situation where substitution okay. can happen and so forth. And gotcha. and you end up with Lautaro. I would. I don't know the odds. If you guys want to help me out here, but sure. just looking at matchups, um, you know, Loftus Cheek and Mikitarian playing on the same side of the midfield. Mikitarian loves to join the attack, and if there's an opportunity for you know RLC to sort of catch him out with his athleticism and and burst up the field, you might have an opportunity there. And then on the other side of the midfield, you know, Tijani playing in his first Milan derby against Barella, who's yet to get his name on the score sheet, and we know how important he is for Inter. I think both of those shouts from midfield 
depending on what the odds are. I don't, I don't know what they are. If someone wants to help me out, but they're, they're big. Yeah, sorry, you can go first with your. Uh, they're probably. Um, but... on, on DraftKings, Barella is plus three fifty, and Loftus Cheek is plus five hundred. Yeah, so, so at at some point, Barella has to start joining the goals. Um, and then I just really like the matchup for RLC against. Uh, I don't actually, I don't like the matchup, but yeah. I think it's a good matchup for him against the uh, Mikitarian. Barella is plus four ten on FanDuel, so it's a little bit better there. Wow. Well, like a good amount better. Um, also, like I guess. It depends on some books as well. I know what is it? Today's Wednesday. Usually closer to the match, then they start offering assists or anytime goal scorer or assister mm-hmm. on some of these books. So yeah. even if you want to wait out on some of that stuff, Barella's just insane. DiMarco, like I just uh, I don't Yeah. Okay. So no, you, you go for it. Yeah. I was just gonna know you brought up DeMarco's name. I was looking down the list and he's plus where I just lost him. I think he was around plus seven hundred or so. Anytime for goal, goal scorer, score, plus, yeah. plus 550, 550. So if you figure goal or assist, because he's a guy who's going to be swinging in crosses from the left, you might get him at a decent number goal or assist when those props that you mentioned start coming out. That's someone I would take take a look at. He, I think it's a watch Italy match yesterday. Nick told me he looked pretty good. Um, he also, outside of, of Turam and Lautaro, the next highest shot taker on the team is Di Marco with seven, one behind Turam. Yeah, and I think he would take probably any like left-footed favored free kicks probably too at this point, right? Yep, yep. He's insane. He's an insane. So he's he's six hundred on Fanduel. So again, that's like a different boost. There, some of these are similar, but it's so weird how they come to these conclusions though. Like if Loftus Cheek is the same number at that, but then they have Demarco. What would you say is plus five on five fifty? 550 another 50 there it's a plus 600 like i don't i know they have the algorithm like davy davy Klassen is like ahead of samuel chukwese in this like luca romero like these guys just don't get minutes i don't i don't see maybe even okay how about this one just like just a shot maybe if it gets a clip this is just a shot in the dark um well like ciao uh, alex talks about like the physical prowess of some of these milan players and how dangerous they could be in the air this guy's a freak um in terms of athleticism sometimes his finishing is a little shaky but plus 1500 off of a corner um that's not it's not ridiculous it's a pretty damn massive number i'm trying not to curse sorry guys yeah, um, i would throw so, i would throw de Vrij in the same category in terms of like how they could find their way on the score sheet it would be it would be similar depending on what his odds are but i would assume it would be around the same thing plus yeah, 12 plus 1400 on DraftKings for for de Vrij. Oh, and then so, sorry, I was gonna say one more bet because I I didn't want to forget it. Uh, go ahead, Martino. You, you go it's, first. It's opposite of you, Scotty. I'm very sorry, but if in the event that we do think there's tons of goals in it, Inter and in both to score is plus three hundred. So like, I wouldn't take you know Inter at plus one ten at that point yeah. because if I just think that these goals are gonna pop up, it's just you might as well take three. Um, you know, Milan are going to go five. Like, I know it's kind of like stupid to think like this sometimes, but it's like, are Milan really going to go five straight derbies without scoring? Like that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. I don't know when the last time that ever happened or if it did. So you're kind of like, Oh, it's never happened. Okay. So we basically need something to never happen to like kind of lose that bet. That's just kind of how I like look at it. I know I worded that weirdly, but no, but we're, I think we're actually kind of close. Cause if you told me I was going to, I can get one pick on this game. I would have taken inter and the over one and a half parlay. It's plus plus one sixty five. 
that's still I think good. That's that's great. All right, because like like you said, even if if Milan are getting a goal, you know you're going to be covered there. And and if they don't and Inter gets a, a 2-0 win, like you're, you're just getting that extra juice on it. So if I'm taking one pick, that's probably the one I feel best about in terms of value and, and probability of occurring. Um, but I, I also don't hate doing it with both teams to score. Cause I, I agree. I think that that seems like you said, it seems like it's a matter of time for it to happen. Yeah. And even the team totals, I just looked at them now for the first time. Um, Milan over one and a half is plus 175. Inter over one and a half is plus 105. So even if you think there might be like one of those early season matches last year where it was a 3 2 uh, win for Milan, both teams scoring two goals, or you take one of those, you you might get it too without a team even winning a match. Uh, yeah. Also, um, there was another stat which, um, Milan haven't scored their first goal in the Derby in quite some time i forget the length of it but it has not been within the past five matchups at least so again inter first team to score it's kind of juiced it's minus 145 so maybe if you think milan come out firing like i mean you could play devil's advocate with it but like minus 145 is a pretty confident line i think in thinking inter is going to get off on the right foot so i mean just kind of those things i look at too it's kind of hard like a few days out I usually do Saturday morning. Well, this Saturday morning, I'll probably do it just because, yeah. I mean, you saw what happened with the Jets. That's why I try not to <laughs> do that stuff. Be a, be a rough well, – at least one of you – well, potentially. Well, one of you will feel a little bit better after Saturday unless there's like a, a nil-nil draw or something, which we're not expecting. But um, <clears throat> any closing thoughts from you guys on this match heading into it or – you know, you think we we covered all all the main things that you have to see from your perspective on on your side of the the San Siro. Yeah, I guess you know, for me, um, I think the expectation going into the season was that both of these teams would challenge for the title, and I'm I'm happy to see that that is the case because I I can't think of a more compelling storyline for Serie A than Milan and Inter fighting for this thing all season long to the very end, just like it was two years ago. Um, but now you're taking that and you're adding, you know, the ability to add a second star to the jersey onto it, so. You know, I'm hoping for a great game, like Martino said, like you want the derbies to feel to feel big. Um, and it's you know, it's been they felt big for me. I'll say that uh, the past the past few have felt big for me. So I'm excited for the game. I think it's OK to say that Inter are the favorite uh, base. You know, you have a team that just went to a Champions League final and it doesn't look like they've they've lost a step. Um, and you have a lot of new things going on at, at Milan. So I don't think it's uh it's crazy to say that Inter are the favorite, but um, you know, I'm looking forward to a good game and uh and hopefully we can continue our our streak here to start the season. Um, yeah, I just want to say something for the futures market, kind of like a final thing. Um, Inter's plus 155 right now. They were kind of like plus 175 prior to the season. Um I think they clearly look like the best team. I think Milan's been close behind them. Napoli's question marks have been quite valid at this point. I just that match against Lazio, no disrespect. We saw Milan beat Napoli 4-0. That was worse, in my opinion. That that was really uh a bloodbath, uh bloodbath. And again, if they lose Osiman January with AFCON, it's a huge dent for them. And my point is, if Inter win this, I think that moves significantly because Napoli is fourth in the odds right now, and they're plus 430. To fall behind Juve by that much because Juve is plus 380, Milan's at plus 300, 
I mean, that's pretty substantial. I think the only thing in terms of like, if you're an inter lover in terms of future bets, probably now, again, if you do it in season, I know it's very long. It's just the fourth match, but you probably maybe want to get in on it now because inter like it's, this is a surefire thing that they could do this. The win number 20. It's and, and Milan again, say they look kind of poor. They don't look on inter's level. You know, even if the scoreline doesn't reflect that, the bookies aren't going to like say, oh, you know, Milan might be able to get like they're going to go with Inter. So like that, I think that'll change significantly. And these are public books, too. So even offshore stuff, I'm sure Inter's going to get in the minus 120, 130 area very soon. So um, but as far as Milan goes, I'll take a draw. Um, I, I like I want to win, but I'd be OK with the draw if it came to that, because um, when you lose four straight like this, you don't have much confidence heading into these matches. So, yeah. Right. So great stuff from you guys. I mean, I think our listeners will be well prepared for this matchup on Saturday. It's going to be a good one. Noon Eastern uh, here stateside. So before we let you guys go, just let everybody know where they can find you, Alex. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Rafa, R-A-F-F-A, um, or interviews underscore P-0-D uh with uh myself and um my co-host johnny paterno at sauce gmp all right martino yeah you could just follow me at martino puccio everywhere um been doing a lot more milan work um and then obviously on the betting side of things um i mean if you want to go back to watch this area preview with nick see if him or i have any bad takes go for it um but obviously all the stuff that i do with the athletic as well previewing the champions league or whatever gambling stuff i i, I kind of get my choice so i got away with getting a seria um um article to preview for the season i was very fortunate um and then your your preview as well guys was awesome for um uh, all the stuff that you do on youtube as well so like, i'm glad it's on there instead of seeing uh the clips from time to time because twitter is awful now with seeing like who you follow and their tweets i never like see half the people that i want to see now so um but yeah uh, check all that stuff out. Appreciate the the support from you guys as always. And uh, it's always a, a lot of fun to be on here. And Scotty and you guys have been on fire. Um, where'd you guys go last season? It was something like stupid, right? Yeah, we started off like we were up like 35 units. And then we kind of treaded water from the post-World Cup break. But we're hoping but the World Cup like, break this year, we, we continue that momentum through the it's season. It's the most <laughs> bizarre year. You can't go off. Of yeah, yeah, it was like, tough. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Give these guys a follow. Give their work a follow. They do a lot of great stuff. And uh, we'll catch you guys again next week.